Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Toro. We are really excited to announce our new partnership with Toro Golf. We share a mutual admiration of golf course superintendents. Superintendents are among the most important and influential people in golf and really are thought leaders. I mean, these guys are scientists and they keep the golf courses in great playing conditions. And we're excited with Toro's support to create this monthly superintendent podcast series. So uh, it's going to be our goal to deliver, you know, a informative, thought-provoking podcast that highlights a lot of the greatest superintendents and most interesting voices in the industry. Today's episode is uh, the first one, and it's with Blue Mound Golf and Country Club's superintendent, Alex Beeson-Crone. Thanks, especially to Toro. They obviously are big supporters of superintendents across the country and world, and are supporting us by helping us do this podcast, which we've wanted to do for some time. So without further ado, here is Alex Beeson-Crone. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. How often do you play golf? <laughs> Not enough anymore. I would say on average, I'll, I'll try to play like 20 times a year. I'd, I would play more if I didn't work and have a wife and three kids. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we spend a lot of time out working. And by the time I'm done, you know, the fruits of my labor are probably best served just keeping a marriage together and going home and hanging out with the kids one nice thing with being a superintendent is like you not always but you can be done earlier so you get more afternoon time with kids than like a guy that say commutes into the city and gets home at six thirty or 7 yeah this year was well i'm I, saying yeah, sometimes you can, be, you can be yeah and, and, you got and winter. i have friends and there's there's other supers you know and, and i i get the the talk quite a bit from buddies that are in in the industry it's like al go home you know the golf course will be there in the morning and that's you know year two yeah i'm gonna work on that um but yeah you can you know you can be out of, you can be in at four and be out at i mean on a weekend some days mowing goes we'll be done at 8 30 so this is your first year at, at blue mound what did uh you were assistant at aaron hills before what what was the toughest thing about becoming the boss versus like being, you know, an assistant where you probably did a ton of the same stuff, but what was the hardest thing about moving up into the, you know, the head position at a course? Hmm. Honestly, the, tra I mean, the transition was, you know, Zach, you know, good friend and buddy. He uh, and my old boss at Aaron gave us a lot of autonomy. And John and myself, we 
we got to do a lot. We got to take, we do a lot of the morning meetings and help with setup and, um, you know, agronomic plan. So not a lot of that was different. It's, you know, checking my mailbox for invoices and, you know, like for instance, and we just did this huge bunker project, pretty big and, uh, budgets due at the end of the month, early order for chemicals is due. It's like, you know, I got a long week in the office and that's, what's tough. You know, it's tough because I want to be out there. We were, you know, I'm a working superintendent. I'll mow tees, rake bunkers, do it all, really. I I don't really care for spending time in the office too much. And uh, I think that's been the hardest transition. Yeah, I I see that too. Like with my business as it grows, like I have to do so much more business stuff. And and like I like making the content. So it's like right that's the fun stuff exactly you know? and you, you, same yeah. thing you like doing the golf course stuff i mean that's why you got into it i assume right yeah it, no exactly and like it, when i if i just had to do like the office side of it you know i know there's some superintendents or directors let's say that literally wear like sport coats to work i could never do that i think i would i would do something else that just yeah. doesn't say, i mean and i'm not saying maybe i'll maybe when I, you know i'm 60 that might be appealing, but yeah, you, know. you gotta be careful. You can't, you know, shut off potential, <laughs> you know, <laughs> career progression. You know, so the USGA calls and says you're you're running everything from an agronomic side. You'd probably have to wear a suit and tie. I don't know if that guy does that for the USGA. I think he he rocks a polo. Polo, yeah. It's uh, what uh, you're you're from Madison. How do how did you first get into the game of golf? I got an older brother um, and dad that loved the game. I mean, every trip was golf trips. I mean, literally every family trip we we took as kids was. And at the time, you know, architecture wasn't like a big thing, so it was like, ooh, the the golf digest places to play. It was like this place is four stars. We'd only, you know, my dad be like, you know, we're playing fifteen stars this trip. You know, it's like. <laughs> and now I look at some of these courses. I'm like, damn. Maybe not my cup of tea now, but that's how I got into it. We, I grew up. I actually didn't grow up next to the. My, we belonged to a course in Nakoma, which is a Bendelo and fun, fun track. And my brother was you know, maybe not scratch, but he was a, a good golfer. And my dad was a single digit golfer, and it was, um, you know, we we go play like eighteen and then rush home for dinner, and it was sweet. Yeah. I always liked my favorite growing up was playing the nine after dinner. Oh, yeah. the best <laughs> nine. Best nine yeah, by far. So you, you, you're you playing a ton of golf as a kid. When did like turf enter your life? Kind of by accident. I never had a desire to be a golf course superintendent growing up. Not even like an inkling. And uh, I was taking some time off from school at UW. I was originally going to school for landscape architecture. And just the original, the the super at Aaron Hills at the time just kind of ran into him. He saw my hat. I don't. I think I was wearing like a black hole front hat. And uh, he was like, you know, we're building this golf course down the road. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna be. It's it's really it's, it's something special. And uh, we're looking for guys on the crew. So this was probably July of 2005. And I remember because my birthday was August 4th. I started on my birthday. 2005 at Aaron Hills, and they were doing construction. I mean, they were, I think only half the holes were seated. Picked a lot of rocks, <laughs> broke a lot of equi- equipment, um, and had a blast. 
I mean, it's just like the time of my life. We were working like, you know, 70 hours a week, rolling out straw blanket and literally just having a blast. And really haven't looked back since. I went back to school at UW and, um, you know, Zach really mentored me throughout. He would involve, you know, I was just a crew guy. He See, would involve me in stuff that was, I was like, this is fascinating. You you went to school wanting to be an architect, and then you took that job, and you're working on a construction site. It, originally, when you took it, were you thinking, hey, this is going to be my kind of means into getting into architecture? Or were you just kind of taking it to figure this will be cool to do? Kind of just this will be cool to do. Uh, you know, me, um, I was a lot different at, I guess, 20, yeah. and I'm at 36. It was just like, hey, you know, can afford my own apartment. And uh, I was happy. I mean, it, just, it truly and it kind of is all have can't talk has always boiled down to happiness. Um, if I'm happy at work and I'm at work a lot, right, or at a minimum I work 40 hours a week. I mean, that means something. So, yeah, I had no intention really of even going back to school for that until like probably three or four Four years later what what was you know the uh aaron hill's build there's obviously uh gary damato wrote that huge thing about you know kind of the story of aaron hills and i think everybody probably glanced at it or heard a lot about it when the u.s open was happening but what, what was it like the early days of aaron hills it was pretty wild I mean, I lived on site, and Bob was heavily involved, Bob Lang, the original owner. You know, he, there would be nights where he'd, like, come knocking on the door and be like, I, you know, I tipped the trailer in the marsh on three. I'm like, you know, it's 8 o'clock on a Sunday night, and it's Wait, supposed to be my day was, off. He oh, was yeah, out he would there? Be out, yeah, he'd be out. He'd love to go out and, like, mow out holes. And, uh, you know, I was a much better golfer then. I mean, it was kind of right after I was close to scratch and so he would be like, Oh, you know, you had like, can you get out of this bunker? And I'd be like, barely. And he'd be like, all right, let's go deeper. And I was like, well, <laughs> okay. You know, I was just kind of oblivious to course. I mean, I really was, I was truly oblivious. I was, it was cool to be as a crew guy, be, you know, involved in that kind of stuff, but it was pretty wild. I mean, Eating lunch, I remember going to lunch with like Ron Witten, and you know he he was on site a lot, mm -hmm. going to the Aaron Inn and uh, grabbing some two dollar hamburgers. I, I I have really fond memories of it. I truly do because it was fun. I mean, it was it was something I never thought I'd do, never thought I'd be involved with the build portion of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was only like six of us too, so that yeah, I had to do all kinds of different stuff. I guarantee you no one has ever wrapped a muffler around a dump truck like I have, like around the axle of a dump truck. Tell us yeah. about oh, this. Yeah, I will. So they were like, they gave me this huge pile and like a, you know, a tractor with a, a bucket front end loader on the front of this thing. I'd never been really, I'd sat on a tractor, maybe like my second cousin's farm, but like never operated a tractor. So Zach gives me like a two minute tutorial and he says, you know, like they had cleared out that huge bunker behind 13. There was a huge pile of, of dirt there and he's like this needs to go to do the hall road by the pump house and i was like okay so what would now probably take me like i don't know five hours took me like four days 
And he's like, I'm dropping these, you know, what he was like, they're like chocolate. You're dropping like Hershey kisses. Like they need, and they're like space. Like these piles need to be on top of one another. So he's like back into the pile. And so I'm just flooring this dump truck that we got back into the pile. And soon enough, like I hear this like clunk, clunk, clunk. Yeah. I'm like, what was that? I hop out. And the muffler has like been bent like all the way. Like literally it was like figure eight, you know, curled around the axle and it snapped off. I mean, the axle it, it, it stopped the truck from moving. So did, was it because you kept backing it? Yeah, I just kept like, and it just kept bending the muffler further down. Yeah. Probably wasn't your best moment. Huh? No, but the, and, and the, you know, and this is kind of, and this is how I operate as manager too. I mean, things break. Yeah. Right, like guys will be like, oh, you know, something will happen, grass will die, things break, and it's not that I'm lax. Or it is that I'm lax, but it's not that I'm like lack lackadaisical. Like I, you know, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I mean, that was kind of they were like, yeah, you really screwed that up. Like we don't have a dump truck now. I think we just sawed off the muffler, and for like three years, it was like the loudest dump truck in Washington County. I mean, there wasn't a lot of stuff around there, so yeah, right. <laughs> the quiet, yeah, no. aspect of it yeah. wasn't as yeah. important. Yeah. So it, it, in terms of the course, that I mean, it opened and. It went through like a couple revisions, and and you you had your public, you know, public, and everybody was up there. And I, what was it? What was it like watching it mature? And like the whole process of like, obviously, it and Chambers Bay were these two courses that were essentially built for U.S. Opens. Like, how how often were you making tweaks? And and the USGA was coming in and saying do this and that and and what was it like being on the staff that through that period? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were there, clearly there's been a lot of tweaks in everything else. And it would be like, you know, we'd make a tweak and then there'd be another tweak to that tweak. And it, just because we all like we all, John, Zach, myself. We liked doing it. Like, it was fun because we always got, we were closed for construction, right? Mm-hmm. So, construction's in the spring and fall, and it was just like, yeah, throw some tunes on. And so, I don't think we ever, it wasn't like we were irritated by it. Um, but no, it was pretty wild. You didn't know what to expect next, yeah. kind of. Um, I think they're all for the better. I mean, I think the golf course is so much better than what it originally was personally you know some people miss the beerettes or the dell hole mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't yeah i i played it when i was young and i remember a couple of times being like what is going on <laughs> you know just uh it was a lot i mean it's it's the topography out there is just insane i mean in terms of golf and uh it i mean it's un- it's unbelievable that it's only like an hour from milwaukee right and it's you know you drive in like you would never expect over the hill that that's what the topography was and that was that was my you know august 4th not even i guess i started august 4th but you know whatever that week before i started in 2005 it was like i'm like ah you know this golf course can't be that special yeah yeah this is the kettle moraine but and we like pulled up there used to be this gray house that the superintendent lived in at the time um and that's where like the offices were and they moved all those but uh, pull in, and you're overlooking, like, you know, it's basically where the clubhouse is now. Yeah. And it's like, this is incredible. You know, what? 
this exists. And I had never seen, I mean, yeah, now there's Sand Valley and there's all that they're, they're finding like really cool places. But, you know, I'd never been to some of, I'd never, you know, we didn't go hiking as kids. Yeah. You know, I'd never seen some of the topography in Wisconsin. Yeah, you were busy going golfing. We were. <laughs> it's, uh, so this moment, obviously, you're part of this crew. It, and you were somewhat into architecture before. Yeah. And this is where, you know, you kind of got the full on bug, right? Totally. So uh, how did you start to think about it? Did you start to think about golf? And, and obviously you're learning maintenance along the way, but how golf courses are maintained. Like, did you start thinking differently because of the, you know, architectural experience of building a golf course? I'm not sure if I start thinking differently about i mean did you did your perspective of golf change absolutely i've like kind of gone through like this you know peaks and valleys of how i view golf you know i think for a while there i, w- I was only looking at conditioning be like well we do this or i go somewhere and be like we don't do this we need to do this you know and i couldn't just enjoy it like truthfully like for probably five or six years couldn't enjoy golf the way I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, at that time, we probably in 20, I think John Morris had started in 2011 at Aaron Hills as the competitions director and his relationship with obviously golf. He introduced me to a lot of stuff that I'd never heard before. A lot of sites, you know, just books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still, like, the more I kind of know about architecture, it's almost like the less I know, right? Like, it's like, I don't exactly know what I like until I see it. I used to, you know, I, I got real into, like, well, if it's not a core Crenshaw or a Doe course, it has to be. It, it's not, you know, it's not the best out there. It's and, it's funny how that works. Like, I read, like, my old stuff now, and I'm like, oh, I'm so... <laughs> confident then and now like i like i'm, I'm like I, I don't know if that's yeah. right yeah it's it's funny how like your perspective kind of changes and it i mean there's so many different facets of architecture too right. so the yeah, this is a good point the more you know the less you know almost yeah i don't know if that made any sense i feel like i'm no it does I, circles, I, but i i'll never forget i had a buddy who was a superintendent and we were we were out at a, at a course and we were talking with somebody else and the guy walks away and my buddy goes, you know, now that's the guy. That's the guy that knows just enough to screw everything up. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's interesting because the more, I feel like the more you get to know stuff, the softer you get on opinions about stuff. Yeah, because my opinion now is might I might hate it like a year from now. You know, like on it, like we just had Bruce Hepner here to do some really cool work. And my opinions going into it were very different than what I thought, you know, maybe not very different. I mean, we had the fourth hole, the Alps, and the short, the seventh, we were going to do the mode. And I was like, you know, but I thought it should look this way. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to do it this way. And I was like, oh, you know, but... He was 100% right, you know. It, it, it's incredible. I mean, like, and that guy knows 100 times more than I do. Yeah. It's kind of cool, though. Like, you know, I, I, I enjoy being, 
I always, you know, in recent years, more than ever, I enjoy like just being wrong. I love when I get tricked, especially if I've seen somewhere the first time, if I'm playing and I'm like, oh, this is where I definitely want to be. And I hit it there. And then I realize like, ah. This is not what I thought it was going to be <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, right. that, those are the best moments, I think. It's like when you just, I don't when you're wrong about what you think about something. Or even like, you know, you're wrong about how something looks, you know, like that's not going to look cool. That looks way better. You, know, you see it and you're like, oh yeah, that was the right, I'm glad we did that. Yeah. This is, it's like a preconceived notion thing yeah. where you have like this like thought of, Hey, this is this is the way it should be because I saw this here. But you know, and that's the beauty of the architects is like they're. I mean, they're artists, and I couldn't imagine having like the way they think about things. They can see it before they even move any earth, right? Yeah, I think I I, I don't know how good of an architect I would have been <laughs> had I you know had it panned out. Yeah. I just don't. I'm yeah. What um. What you said you read a bunch of books. What what are some of your favorite books that you've read? They said he introduced me to a bunch Introdu- of books. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I I've read a few, and and uh, I mean, early on I read Anatomy of a Golf Course by by Tom Doak and um, George Thomas. Yeah, that's, um, a good one. that's a good one. I actually read that recently. I read that right before I got the job here. I ordered a bunch right before I got the job here. It was like, um, in, in as a very early present because I used to like kind of doodle golf holes. I got uh, Doctor Herdson's, and that was actually kind of cool because it was like it shows you like construction specs. I enjoyed that. Um, and there's so many good books yeah. out there. Now for a quick word from our sponsor. For 100 years, Toro has helped superintendents confidently display their skill and dedication to maintaining golf course turf at the highest agronomic standard. In 1919, Toro built the first motorized fairway mower, replacing horse-drawn equipment. No more hoof prints and all 18 fairways cut in only 18 hours. Pretty incredible feat. So, greenskeeping has come a long way since then, with Toro continuing to bring innovations that address what matters most to superintendents. Be sure to follow at Toro Golf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor to demo the newest innovations from Toro. Now back to Alex Beeson Crone. So let's talk about your gig here. Blue Mound Golf and Country Club, Seth Rayner course in Milwaukee. Did you know a lot about Rayner before you came here? I thought, you know, I, I yeah. Rainer was has has been for like the last in in truthfully Blue Blue Mountain's been like it was kind of like the holy grail position for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, if that job ever opens up, I'm gonna do whatever I can to at least get a shot. And I wasn't sure if it ever would open up, but yeah, I, I knew a fair, a fair amount about Rainer. How how does the superintendent job search work? Like you know, <laughs> I I like think about <laughs> obviously like I, I was working in completely different world before this but i you think about like how regular job and it's such a small industry there's i mean you know when a job opens up there's instead of thousands of qualified candidates there might be a couple dozen 
Yeah, no, I, I don't actually know the final numbers of who applied to this job, but I mean, there, yeah, there's there's not going to be more than a hundred people probably seeking out that job. Um, so they'll either post it in like one of the you know like GCSAA or TurfNet, or it might not even be posted. I mean, some jobs don't even get posted, just like word of mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, they might already have three or four candidates that they desire to fill that position and just have them interview. But this one was posted online. Um, I actually found out about it before it was posted. Um, so you had a little inside track. little inside track. I mean, I knew that you know Steve Houlihan, who was here, took the job at Oconomowoc, which is a Ross course, you know, 35 minutes west of here. And uh, when I found that out, I called up a member that I knew that was a friend and said, who do I send my resume to? And uh, cover me. Why, why was Blue Mountain the Holy Grail job? I just love this place. I do. There's something special, you know, and I mean, yeah, it's the greens and it's the, you know, it's the only rainer in Wisconsin clubhouse is pretty spectacular. Just the whole vibe is really cool, but you know, there's been like, you know, other than there in Hills, it was always like here in Lasonia. There was just something special about him. You played him as a kid. You know, there's, it sounds kind of, flowery but you know there's like a spiritual experience with being at a place like this we're like i feel good about being here this is fun this is what golf should be and that was blue mountain for me yeah you know i was just so i mean i was like like slamming the table in my first interview you know i was like just geeking out you know and, and i and i think they appreciated that i was or i was myself i got done and i was like i was like how'd it go and i was like i was me <laughs> you know like i i was Having a hard time finding words. I was really excited. And uh, I think it went pretty good. They, they seemed to like the fact that I was passionate about what I do or what we, you know. And it's kind of been that, like, I've just been me. And, and that's, since I've been here, like, it's been, I feel blessed. Like, the membership has been, it is amazing. I don't have to, I'm not to say that, like, any, I don't know, I'm not trying to call it any other courses, but, like, I don't have to be something I'm not. Right, like I manage the way I manage. We, I act the way I act. You know, I don't like change. I'm, I'm the same person at work that I am at home, or with my buddies. Yeah, I mean, I I think that like authenticity is it's like yeah. the number one thing. I was listening to a podcast with this venture capitalist, and he said authenticity will like you know outrun all your competition because if you're just authentic in yourself, then that's the best thing you can put forth because you're going to be different and unique and you're going to be your best self you know if you just act like yourself totally i mean that's how i you know i hate the word i I really do kind of hate the word i I try not like at least with like the crew like it's a we thing and i'm like again blessed not just with the membership and a great golf course but like the team we have is it's just fun it's fun coming to work Mm -hmm. you know i my the senior assistant my dan I say it to and I say it to members. I say it in greens committees. I'm like, hey, he's probably smarter than me, so he can answer this question. You know, and that's fine. You know, like I can be vulnerable to a degree, like kind of controlled. I, I was listening to a podcast, and I don't recall which one, but you know, this kind of like controlled leading with like controlled vulnerability. I can't say that word. Sorry, vulnerability. Yeah, like I'll be like the crew will be like, hey, what are we doing now? Or like something will go wrong. I'll be like, I have no idea. It's it's genuine. Yeah, yeah, I guess genuine. Yeah. 
It's a, so did you and the staff, did you inherit, uh, like Dan, the super uh, assistant was yeah. he, he, he was from, uh, he came from the, the previous staff, Steve's staff, right. um, everybody. For the most part, yeah. It's, so it's Dan Vodders, our senior assistant, and then Steve uh, Ems, who is, was, got promoted to be the assistant. He was an assistant in training. And he's, mm-hmm. I mean, just in the uh, kind of a segue here, but like the other thing is they're just good people. They're good dudes. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's like, we didn't, I inherited like a really cool, good group of, of people. Um, so yeah, everyone's pretty much the same. Um, our assistant mechanic, Kyle, I worked with at Aaron Hills. He got out of the industry and he's kind of like a crew foreman. I mean, the guy cut cups for, he did it all at Aaron, cut cups for the open. Um, and then we actually just brought on Brian down at Shore Acres. was like, hey, we got this guy, Matt, that, um, you know, super hardworking, right? You need an assistant? I was like, I'd, I'd always take another assistant, yeah. right? <laughs> and I, so I went to... I, I have a super supportive greens committee, greens chair and club president. And, you know, I was like, we want to do some really cool things, you know, especially with these bunker projects. Like we Mm -hmm. need help. We'll take it. Like we need skilled bodies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, so we hired him on like October 1st. So there's three assistants and system mechanic and our mechanics like can fix anything. Is it tough coming in where you have a staff that's done stuff one way, you know, um, and introducing new procedures or methods or, you know? uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, Steve's a great super. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was stuff that I I was like, oh, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we've definitely changed quite a few things. And it's tough. I mean, there are some growing pains with that. Well, I've been doing it this way for seven years. This is the way we do it. And I'm like, well, you know, that that's only happened a few times. I think like the buy-in, I mean, one thing that we try to do is just like, like why we're doing something. That was something at Aaron that, um, you know, I kind of learned from Zach is like, it, it helps, even it helps like the high school guys, you know, if you tell them to rake a bu- bunker the certain way or do whatever, mow green, you know, it's like, you just tell them, like, no, do it this way. It's like, no, well, why are you doing it? It's like, well, because you're going to get contamination. You're going to get soil in the bunker. You're going to bring sand out and then see that over there where the bunker's, like, shrinking. That's why we don't do that. It's it's interesting. It's like a human nature thing where if you change the way somebody does something, like, they automatically think it's worse, you know? Because it's like different than the way yeah. they perceive it. Like, yeah. I yeah. I think about it all the time. Because I used to be in sales, and like, if if anybody ever changed the commission structure, like the natural every sales <laughs> rep would be calling each other, like, "Can you believe this bullshit?" And then like you like hear the hear the hear it out, and you're like, "Oh, like actually, I'm gonna make way more money. This is great," yeah. you know. But yeah. like that first reaction is, and that's gotta be it's gotta be tough, you know. I mean coming in and having like if you change anything people automatically are like oh well this new guy's changing up everything on me you you heard a little bit of that yeah you know some of the guys especially the guys have been here for a long time but i think they were you know buy-in i'm huge on culture right i just want people to feel part of and 
I, I knew how when I was a crew guy and assistant, and even now, you know, it's pretty flat hierarchy. Mm-hmm. There's times where I'll go to guys and be like, "Hey, how do I do this?" I have no idea. I'd like we didn't, you know, we didn't have this many trees at Aaron Hills. We had like three. Is there a better way to blow these leaves? <laughs> you know, this is not working the way I'm doing it. And you know, just learning from guys. And I think guys are like, "Is he really asking me, or is he messing with me?" And it's like, no. I'd like a like a little tutorial on this. It probably helps a ton being a su- like what you said off the bat. Like you're a working superintendent. Yeah. You're out there doing yeah. everything. It, that's got to help a ton because then you know people feel oh like he's out here doing the doing working working his ass off too. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's just like what we came from. You know, like we were, and that's what they. I mean, that's what they said they wanted. And I can assure you, I, I think they're getting that. Like I. I feel like whore on the days that I got like meetings or we got, you know, once a month we have our greens committee meeting. So, um, and I'm a procrastinator. So sometimes I'm writing my agenda, like 32 minutes before the meeting. The first one I did like these pretty elaborate, the first, second, maybe the third one I did like these really elaborate, took me like 40 hours to make like all night long. I'd be up making these PowerPoints and yeah. I'm tired. It's like you know, it's it's October now. Like I've been working, you know, seventy plus hours a week. You got winter. This is gonna be like a three hundred character word, three hundred word agenda, and we'll get through it. Well, you got winter, you know. Yeah, we got a busy winter ahead of us too, though. Yeah, that's true. So let's talk about year one. What what have you been doing? I mean, I I was I came here. Three years ago, and uh, it's so funny because like I uh, I wrote about the course and uh, I I talked about trees and I talked about one tree on eighteen. I singled it out. It's got to go. <laughs> and I, I I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten in the last four months. Yeah. You know, you got to come back. The tree's gone. <laughs> the tree that you talked about is gone. And uh, but what what have uh, what have you been up to the last last uh, now? 10 months. 10 months. Yeah, I mean, Dan kind of led the, took down quite a few trees. Um, that was all winter, and that was new to me. I mean, like I said, there weren't a lot of trees in Darren Hills. Um, We've we just been focusing on playability. Like, bottom line, like, there's areas that we have neglected that maybe perhaps weren't neglected before. I mean, like, clubhouse stuff or just really trying to hammer playability trying to break the there's a disconnect right now between approaches and greens like we feel like we got greens where we can get them firm pro we've been focusing a lot on approaches um just fine detail stuff mm-hmm. you know learning <laughs> i mean i felt like the first six I, honestly i felt like until like probably middle of september i mean we were getting back i think getting better throughout the year but middle of september i was like beating our heads against the wall trying to get say green speed firmness up at least we you know we figured it out at some point what what have you been doing to kind of firm up greens and and work on the approaches getting them firmer primarily water management um a lot more hand watering um adjusting irrigation heads turning off irrigation heads uh sand poking holes i guess you know like the common golfer i they always are you know 
aeration is like the worst thing you can say to them about a golf course. What does it do like to promote firmness? Because like obviously the immediate result is it softens everything and it makes it hard, to, <laughs> really hard to putt. So like, what is the what it in terms of long term benefits of of aerating and and getting the sand in there? Yeah, I mean for us, especially on our approaches, greens are you know are organic matter. What you're looking at is organic matter. Like what is our kind? What's a you know, like too little and you're going to have traffic issues. You know you're going to have bare spots and which some bare spots firm kind of comes with the territory of firm and fast, but on, on approaches we've been trying to just get, you know, some of the thatch out and get getting, there's different sands too. You know, if you put beach sand in, you know, if, say if you put in like the analogy Zach used to use, you know, you know, you have like different shape sand and different, you know, so the sand that we're using is called 2340. It comes from a, Wapaka, which a lot of the Midwest gets their sand from, and it's it's really helped to firm up greens and approaches. Because yeah, the we were talking before this, like the hardest thing for me to watch is that like week, two weeks where holes haven't healed on approaches, and say greens are firm, and you just watch them balls plug in the approach. Yeah, yeah soft approaches, firm greens is the hardest thing. Yeah, to it's play impossible. In the world. It's impossible. <laughs> And just we, feel you know, like you have no, yeah, no chance. We had a few complaints with that. And I get it. I'm a golfer, you know, and I kind of, I try to manage, we try to manage from like a golfer's perspective. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thing rather, you know, managing from a golfer's perspective rather than an agronomy perspective, or is it a balance kind of? It, it has to be a balance. It's hard. Like for instance, if we want to present the best product to members or guests, or say we have a big outing, I mean, there's going to be certain things that we kind of do our, you know, our calendar gets adjusted based on certain things. Like we're not going to airify approaches the week before our invitational. You know, we have the Junior Rider Cup and State Open. Like, you know, it's planned around that. But like some days, it's going to affect that day's play. You know, it's not just the disruption of like having 10 guys out there with backpack blowers and blowing sand around and, but you know, it affects playability and that's, it's weird from a, I, I know like I, it like irks me. It probably should. And I should probably just be like, nope, we got to do it. And we do have to do it, but it, it, it irks me probably more than other maybe supers. I know they're just like, no, dude, you, that's what you have to do that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but like so-and-so is playing today. And I, he's going to be like, what, what are you doing? It's, um, you, you use it, the term playability, you know, and you're talking about firming up greens, firming up approaches, like, and from a lot of standpoints, people would say, that, oh, that's making the course tougher. But what, what do you mean by, you know, making it more playable? Just playing how it's supposed to, I think. You know, like the beer, it's it's a small green out here. Like I never hit that green. In like the twenty years I've been playing this, I think I've like never parred hole three. It's a hard hole. It's a hard hole. But like you, you know, if you don't, if there isn't consistency, you know, if one day they're soft, one day they're firm. Like, how do you play that hole? Do you land it ten feet short of the green? Do, do you have to carry it onto the green? Do you land it twenty yards short and run it through the swale? Like that's what we're talking for playability consistency 
in giving different shot options too. I mean, playability doesn't always make the course, you know, it's just shot options. Like how cool is it to think like, well, I can bump this in there. I can fly it in there. I can play it way up on that slope. That's fun. That's super fun. I mean, that's, that's the golf I love. Yeah. Especially with like the Rainer, the big, bold greens that yeah. you have these shoulders you can use yeah. and you, it just presents so many more shot options than, you know, uh, some courses are much more aerial based, right? right? You know, and this this is a golf course that you can hit all these different shots if if you want to, or you could just play it aerially, like you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you have know. options, um, and that's the thing. We're just trying to give options. Mm-hmm. So you you uh, you just you've alluded to it a little bit with uh, Bruce Hapner. You've done a couple projects this fall. Um, one of them on the short hole. How did that project come about? I think there's, I might be wrong on the exact number, but, you know, right now within our like club leadership, they really, it's kind of, you know, the pedals kind of been, you know, they're pushing it further to the metal, right? They want to do some really cool stuff to restore, not just playability, but also the course back to the original Rainer, um, 26. So there's, there were 17 bunkers at the beginning of the year. We did three this year. One of them was, you know, our short had kind of two bunkers with a run-up. And it wasn't, you, I mean, you remember it. It was what, maybe? And it wasn't even, it was a, it was rough height. So you really couldn't run it up. Although some of our members have said, you know, it, they maybe have a hard time flighting the ball higher. Like, well, I used that to run up. But it wasn't really a run-up. And then seven was kind of the same thing. I mean, it was like a four-yard wide run-up. Right. So if you're <laughs> aiming for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> It's it's funny. Yeah. I mean, that is like that, one of the things about the short hole. You hear that? Yeah. I mean, the yeah. thing about the sh- Rainer McDonald short hole is like it. It's funny because everybody loves these short par threes, but they are like as far as like in terms of play, like you have to hit a high lofted shot yeah. in. That's the only that's, shot that's option. It. That's all you got. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, it's it, you have the old aerial thirty seven, mm-hmm. and then it, did you have old photos to go off of? We did. Well, we did on um, seven, the short. We had one. Where, where did you... Did have you, you seen it? Have I showed that to you? The 33 picture? Yeah, I From think From 1933. So, Mount Mary's, which is a women's college, is in the background. I mean, it's pretty spectacular. And it's crazy how close, you know, how good Bruce is that, other than the trees. And I don't think Mount Mary wants me or Dan or any of our team going cutting down trees on their their campus. But, yeah, it looks. So the club is, you know, you said pushing the metal, uh, pushing the pedal down a little bit more. But in terms of the restoration plan, you kind of guys are just tackling project, projects every year rather than doing, you know. A... I think that's the plan. I mean, when I came in originally, we were going to do three Three uh, seventeen. There's cross bunkers, more just visual. One in the swale, maybe hundred yards out on three, and then kind of the same thing on seventeen. And then we're going to do eighteen. Mm-hmm. No, eighteen. <laughs> like I asked Bruce, another kind of a funny story. Just young superintendent, not at you know, it was like a total panic moment. But this bunker was we did a lot of construction at Aaron Hills, been involved with a lot of bunker builds and drainage and. It's obviously Aaron Hills. You have slopes. You can 
drain it's it's not as challenging to drain when we had to do like this kind of levee system and I'm a little in over my head on this, like right starting. I'm like, what? Yeah, you know, how are we going to drain this thing? Well, we're hitting, you know, Aaron Hills was also built in 2005, four. We have as builds for everything. We have like a, it's right behind, over your shoulder, there's like this hand drawn from the past four superintendents. And it's like, you know, there's no drainage going through. <laughs> we're hitting everything. I mean, pulling out old concrete, clay tiles, metal, you know. Probably some duck. of the originals. So. Right. Oh, totally. Which at the time, I like now when we find it, I'm like, oh, cool, let's repair that. It probably works because Rainer was brilliant at that stuff. He was an engineer. But at the time, I was like, what is this stuff? <laughs> you know, just freaking out. So I call up Bruce and he left. We start, we go to cut drainage. We have this little excavator and I'm in there digging drainage. And like water is just pouring out everywhere and flooding our bunker. And I call it Bruce, like within like 30 seconds of the water. I'm like, Bruce, there's water coming out everywhere. He was like, well, I'm at, you know, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm at the airport, man. Now, you know, I was like, okay, I just, all right, bye. You know, and I turned to Dan. I'm like, I have no clue why I just called him, you know, just freaking out. But we figured it out. It's one of the best draining parts of the property. We just repaired some of the old drainage that. Drainage has to be tough. I mean, completely different soil. Like, you know, Aaron Hills is really sandy. Oh, parts. 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 <laughs> I can tell you Aaron Hills is not all sandy. But, yeah, completely different. And there's huge hills that you could just, yeah. the water just, you right. know, right where it's going. Yep. Like, it, it, and versus Blue Mountain, you, you've got, you've got some nice movement in it, but then there's some flat spots. And how have you kind of tackled some of that? I mean, we, we haven't done as much drainage this year. I mean, that's kind of the plan. We got we did these bunker projects, and we saw some equipment here, and mm-hmm. we want to tackle some kind of trouble trouble spots. But, I mean, in 18, we did like, and I don't know if it'd be a levee system, but basically we had no fall. And by no fall, I mean there was, it's pancake flat up by the clubhouse there. So we'd drain, like the bunker was deeper than where we needed to drain to. Um. There's no way we could get, we were basically going uphill to a drain line almost. I mean, it was like two inches down. So we'd like run it into a big sump or a big drain and then it would fill up that pipe and then it would go down to the next one. And we kind of did that. And I think that it's proved to be really successful there. I think in spots, we'll just drain into the, um, the Creek line that runs through the property. But it's tough too. I mean, like, yeah, we're bordered by roads at Aaron. It was like we're bordered by a marsh on three or two. Yeah, just draining into the marsh or draining into the wetland on thirteen or just off property into the native. Let me hey, something I've always wanted to do. I'm I, I very fascinated with drainage. But uh punch bowl, the rainer punch bowl mm. on hole eight. You ever just stood out there when it's like dumping, dumping rain and watch the watch the water just run out of that? I think it's like one of the most amazing things in the world yeah. is how this how this guy in twenty six figured out how to drain a punch bowl punch on bowl. like bad uh, yeah. bad soil. No, and I have, I have, I've on, on a lot of them. Some of them have like we have some what they call collar dams where water just sits on the collar, which we've also addressed and will address more. But yeah, I mean. It's crazy. You, know, you go to Chicago Golf Club. Have you ever seen that big? You've seen that big drain on eighteen. Yeah. That's like the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. And all ta- anywhere. Yeah, I was talking to Scott. He's like, I don't even think we could do this today. No. Like, <laughs> it, no. And this thing was built in. It's beautiful. It's yeah. like twenty five. Yeah. 
that was yeah 25 and he doesn't think they could do it like with modern technology i'd never seen it until the last time i was there and he and scott's been just another awesome mentor like and he's awesome because he's just like so passionate about everything he's like it's just not the coolest thing you've ever seen like this it might be it might be this is a story chicago golf strains yeah it's uh what um you talked about him being a mentor like uh, being a younger superintendent how how helpful are area superintendents and other superintendents around the country super helpful <laughs> i mean i i have no you know I, I i have like a few quotes that run through my head pretty consistently you know and my like favorite quote of all time is humility is remaining teachable and I just love learning stuff. I mean, like, I, I know so little compared to, like, even, like, you know, and it's not necessarily from, like, the Chicago golf clubs or the Aaron Hills. Like, how much you learn just from, you know, there's a lot of guys, like, our vendors. A lot of our vendors were our superintendents, you know, maybe at lesser-known courses that are now retired or just want didn't want to work the hours anymore. Just learning from those guys, too. They've been Everyone's been super helpful. I, I'll, I've called on probably 25 different supers this year and, and they're just well they're generous you know with their time and knowledge that's the part about i really dig about our community of superintendents at least within the state and, and people i met you know working in Aaron hills is people are really generous with their time and really generous with you know their intellectual property yeah yeah that's i i mean getting to know supers is like the best community of people yeah. Yeah, it's some good people. Yeah. <laughs> good south of the earth people. Yeah. It's uh so it, it, you've you've taken down a, a good amount of trees. And obviously that can always be a hot topic at clubs. But you know, how how's the how's the member reception been over the last like year with the with, with the tree removal? Yeah. Yeah, really positive. Like resounding, maybe other than one person. I really like that tree in eighteen. It was a beautiful tree. It's like, yeah, well, it, but it blocked half of a really cool green. <laughs> that green's awesome, yeah. by the way. That might be the coolest green out here. It's not my, it is, it is awesome. But that's the thing about these greens, though, right? Like, it, I'll be on a hold and I'm like, eh, this, you know, like 15. Four, 14, or yeah, 15. 15 greens, unbelievable. Yeah. That right side. Right? Like 15, I was kind of like, you know, someone asked me, like, what, you know, what are your least favorite holes? I'm like, I don't you know, it's hard because the greens are all great. It might, you know. See, I think that's the best. I, I, one of my pet peeves. Like, <laughs> was, what's your favorite hole? At, yeah, I don't get a response. It's, it's like, well, I mean, that's a really great <laughs> golf course. But I think like the best, like great golf courses, the best question is always to ask was, what's the weakest hole? Yeah, and it's like that because then you start like talking and you in like really great golf courses. A lot of times you're like, well, I. I don't know what the weakest hole is like. It's like you feel like bad saying a hole's weak. Yeah. But I think four was our weakest hole. Until, yeah, in, until you got the yeah, chain. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I would agree with that. Was, I, I think, you know, I look at four differently now. I mean, it's only been a week. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, yeah, four's got something. Because the green's cool. Yeah. it's um the It reminds me a lot of Country Club of Charleston's Alps. Like, it got flattened. And it, it's like you, there also you're like, oh, 
well, this probably was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I know they like are planning to restore it in the near future, but it's like, it's just funny how like things like that happen. Like it's like just the blindness. Yeah. It just, it's just flat and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's uh, what, what future hole that you, you haven't gone to work uh, that you think has the most potential that people may members or other golf, golfers that have played at Blue Mound don't know could be really cool. Like most room for improvement. I'm just stumbling all over my questions here. No, you're good. That's <laughs> this is good for me because I stumble. My responses. Um, People are just, I just think, mumbling. Yeah. Like, who are these two mumblers? <laughs> what is this? Can't understand a word these guys have said. Are you even going to look? Is this even going to make it? To yeah, the... this will make it. This will stay. <laughs> this is quality? Yeah. I, know, I, know, I just I feel like we're talking. We yeah. talked for an hour before. You yeah, know. exactly. This no. is basically just yeah. an extension of yeah. the earlier. Yeah. Over, yeah. Um, honestly, I think like 11. And we're not really doing other, you know, other than just kind of the plan around that as we're looking at this aerial in the office here. Around 5, 8, 11, 9. All those trees around the pond. I think it's going to be so cool once we take them all down. That's the thing I noticed most coming back was like, I remember I wrote in my article about like how like when you get to see an architect on flat land, like and I and then like by removing some of these trees, like the vistas have opened up, and you're like all of a sudden like, well, this land's actually. Re- really got some mm-hmm. interesting stuff going on and like that area of 11 12 8 all the, those holes in there play over really nice ground and it's like then it's just that you look it's like well rainer just like used all of his tricks on the flatland which is like one two three four you know um 17 18 where he put but like that other half of the properties like got like in what removing the trees is doing it to me is like it's opening up like it's the property is becoming much more like muscular like you see these like the rolls and and then you see the greens all over the place and and, i mean like in one spot i remember looking i can't remember where i was like holy cow like there's that bunker in the distance and it matches up and it's like all of a sudden you're like yep that makes a lot of sense it's like some robert hunter stuff right Mm -hmm. yeah no i uh it, it it should be pretty. It should be a good, productive winter, and I'm really excited for next year. I'm excited for next year too because I, I just feel like we figured out a lot of stuff ergonomically. I imagine, like in a way, like as a super, like it, it's probably like people buying a house. You you go in, <laughs> you get your like inspection, and then once you own it, you're like, oh shit, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of things yeah. wrong oh. with this that I didn't know, or like there's a lot of things you and it's just you're for the first year you gotta feel like you're just learning the property yeah and i can fully relate with that analogy it is exactly like that like we had you know it dawned on us well we a we just bought a house and we're like were our floors is squeaky when we walked in we're watching youtube videos this morning like how does you know fix a but yeah no it's exactly like that because when i i had no idea some of the potential issues, right? Like, so we drain all this water through our property from, I don't know, 300 acres of kind of like commercial industrial. And this was a bad year for snow and ice. A lot of salt went down. 
and we had like a salt water i mean it was like seawater <laughs> ocean water in our irrigation pond no way oh yeah we had water tested and it was you know 23 times what it should be to go on grass you know so i'm freaking out i mean there's certain things like that you just don't think of until you're in them you could have uh could have stocked the ponds with some saltwater <laughs> yeah, fish totally i guarantee you they would have lived this spring this is off topic did you see the 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 uh the alligator that got in the humboldt park lagoon in chicago <laughs> no did you, you didn't hear about that no there's an alligator that got in like a pond in the city of Chicago in a neighborhood. And uh, it cost the city like 35 grand to remove it. It was like a two and a half foot alligator. <laughs> they had to fly an alligator guy up from Florida. <laughs> to get him? Yeah. For a little guy? It was uh, one of the craziest stories of the year. But but you could have you been having, you could have sharks out there. Yeah, well, this spring we might have. Yeah. We could have been yeah, sharks low. But no, I mean, we got that sorted out. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I think our grass is a little salt tolerant because it was either going to die from drought or die from watering it. Yeah. That's it. It's, uh, so you'll get, you got year two and, uh, more rest. A little yeah. Bit more yeah. Rest. I was here. I mean, like when the members are telling you, like, go home. Yeah. We'd be out, like, hand watering and, like, yeah, I'll go home. Yeah. It's okay. You know, golf course is great. Go home. And that's nice. I mean, it it, it is a lot self-inflicted. Yeah. It's uh but if you're doing what you love, so it doesn't feel like yeah. work, right? Right. For the most part. I mean, there's certain days where I'm like, you know, I would like to go home, but this green isn't doing so, you know, silvery. I mean, that's got to be hard when you like you you get these big projects and you always feel like you're working towards it, but like it takes so much time to finish them where it's hard to put down. It'd be like, you know, like if you put together a TV stand and like, you, you can't stop putting together <laughs> yeah, no. until it's done. Yeah. I feel like that would be, if I was a super, that's how it is for us and for at least me specifically for construction. And I think art and all the guys that are on our team, we're like, let's just bang this out. I mean, we worked, but it's fun. I mean, construction's fun. Yeah. You're building stuff, right? Like cool stuff. And you know, not some Bruce's, Bruce Abner's building it, but I mean, you're finishing it off. You want to see it with grass and something to play it on. Yeah, Curtis uh, James talked about how it's he loves it for his crew because it also breaks up the maniacal nature, like yeah. uh, or not the monotony, monotony not yeah. maniacal. That's completely <laughs> the wrong word. <laughs> um, but the monotony, Maybe like that too. it can get kind of yeah. you know repetitive yeah. if, if all you're doing is just. You know, doing right. the same mowing. Yeah, every you're just day. cutting grass. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. No, definitely, and that that was that was why I always looked forward to the fall at Aaron Hills, <laughs> yeah. building something, doing something. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll probably check in next year. We'll, we'll you see should. How it's gone. You're uh, anytime. Yeah. It was uh, but been pleasure having you on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. It was and, just fun. We'll look forward to seeing what happens in year two. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Andy. All right.